Good morning. Hello. Hope you all are well. Uh, welcome to those of you who might be new with us today or visiting with us. Uh, to you who are uh, streaming us online, we're glad that you've come here to uh, join us in the praise of Jesus Christ. And that is our goal and our mission here at Terranova Church, to be uh, Christocentric in all things, to be Christ-centered in all that we say and all that we do. And we have been journeying uh, through the last year plus through the book of Hebrews. What a wonderful uh, piece um, of theology and just incredible words of, of grace and truth and has really, uh, really helped me transform as a pilgrim, and I hope that the same is for you. Um, and we will uh, we'll finish up actually next week, um, and we have started chapter 13. So if you want to find your Bibles, uh, open up to Hebrews 13. If you would like to use a pew Bible, the blue ESV Bibles in front of you. Our text starts today on page 1,197. So as we close this chapter, as Daniel mentioned last week, it seems as though the author is kind of throwing out a few final bullet points as we go, before the letter is over. Almost like, before you go, don't forget these things. Like, some of us tomorrow are are involved in a... Keep free from the love of money. Be content. Like, a lot of really important things here. Today, we're going to hear these bullet points. And we're going to find a stream that goes through them and tie them together. We're going to learn these things. Remember your leaders and imitate them. Do not be led astray from the truth by strange teachings. Let us offer new sacrifices to God. Share what you have. Obey your leaders and submit to them. And pray for your leaders. So I want to take our passage today and all of these final reminders and um, give us some continuity as we learn through these things and as we finish this beautiful text. Um, So let us read together this text. We're in Hebrews 13, verse 7 through 19. And it will be on the screen behind me, or you can read through with your Bibles. But I would ask if you are able to please stand for the reading of God's word. Let's read this truth together. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods. Which, we have be- which have not benefited those who, de- who are devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore... Let us go out out to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. 
Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, open up the eyes of our hearts. Let us be humble to receive your word and to learn the truth that is in Jesus Christ. And let us cling to it with all the strength that we have. Strength that comes from your Holy Spirit. We pray a blessing on today's message. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. All right. So we have some final bullet points here. And um, you could hopefully hear a theme here about submit to your leaders, obey them. But there's that whole middle section from verses 10 to 15 that confused the whole passage a little bit. And so I'm going to do my best to to try to understand what the author um, was helping us to see and understand today. And I'd like to give you a a, kind of a, a big idea, a big overview of today's passage to make sense of it all. So hear this big idea. The way of Jesus is new territory. So watch those who have faithfully walked this narrow path And submit to them, knowing that you'll need help. Truth is at stake. So we're going to take a look, uh, starting in verse 10 today. We're going to skip over the beginning and the end. We're just going to look at the middle section as we get going. Because as I said, it seems like a strange shift away from these bullet points to a kind of a deep theological understanding of sacrifices and atonement and blood sacrifices and priests and all those things. And so I want us to understand this as we go through the text. Now, he's reminding us that the way of Jesus, in these verses 10 to 15, he's reminding us that the way of Jesus is in fact a departure from the normal way of doing things. In this case, Judaism, right? But we will find in our modern context that the way of Jesus, can you agree with me, that's very different than what the world preaches, amen? It's very different, it's a departure. And so the author of Hebrews is trying to help us understand let me read, uh, let me read uh, 10, 10 to, to 15 again real quick for us, just so we can have that on our brains. Verse 10, we have an altar from those who serve the tent that have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek a city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, 
the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do so and to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Okay, so again, we're reminded that this is a departure from the normal ways of doing things. Not only is it a departure, but the sacrifice of Jesus is better than the sacrifices that came before, right? The theme of our entire book of Hebrews that we've been talking about each week is that Jesus is, come on, Jesus is, yes, he is. And so we were reminded of this, okay? So we, we did go deep into, uh, in chapters 9 and 10, we did go deep into what it means that Jesus' sacrifice is in fact better, and the author is doubling down on this point once again. The verses speaking of the sacrifices and blood sacrifices in the tent or outside the tent, the sprinkle of the blood, what he's talking about are the bull and goat sacrifices that would have occurred once a year during the Day of Atonement. Now, we know that in the temple, daily blood sacrifices were being made, but this was the big one. This was, this was, the, this was the, the big sacrifice that made restitution for the sins of all people. Now, if you understand the, 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 the whole idea of sacrifices, there were different types of sacrifices. The Day of Atonement sacrifice was different in that... The animals were brought outside of the tent. They were out, brought outside of the tabernacle, and they were slaughtered, and the blood was collected. And then that blood was collected, and then the blood was brought back into the Holy of Holies and offered. And then those animals were burned, and he's I'm just paraphrasing what this author is saying here. Um, the animal sacrifices, the bodies, the flesh, was burned outside the camp. And we don't have time to go into the depths of that any any more, um, but just know that this is the type of sacrifice that was happening. Some sacrifices that were taking place, the flesh was actually boiled or roasted, and then the priest would eat that meat. Okay, so he's saying that that's not what what is being done here, and he talks about Jesus and how Jesus' sacrifice is actually the antitype of this sacrifice. The author is, is drawing this parallel between the great day of atonement, which paid for everybody's sins, and then the great sacrifice of Jesus. And Jesus' sacrifice is better because he too was sacrificed outside of the tent, so to speak, outside of the gate, so to speak. He was, he was sacrificed at Golgotha, which was outside the city walls. But his body and blood were offered for us. They weren't consumed by fire. And being, again, being uh, sacrificed outside the walls of Jerusalem showed that he was being put in a place of great shame. But his sacrifice then, because of this, was made for all people, especially those that were living outside the grace of God. The people that were living in darkness, in sin, he came outside of the holy places, into the holy places, to offer himself up for all. Now again, in chapters 9 and 10, we really went deep into this idea, so you can go back and check out some of those sermons on our YouTube page or, or our, our website. But we are reminded that the sacrifice of Jesus was better because it eliminated 
ended for all time the need for those daily, monthly, weekly, yearly sacrifices. He opened up a new way of truth and of holiness through his blood on the cross. And so, as I said, the the book of Hebrews is talking ultimately about how Jesus is better. So hopefully this is a little bit of review, but let's do it because we want truth to be deeply ingrained in our hearts. So three ways here in these middle verses, uh, 10 to 16, three ways that the author is reminding us that Jesus' sacrifice for us is better. Three ways. The first one, there's lots, but here's three, okay? First, as I said, the religious sacrificial system is not needed anymore. It's been undone. Jesus put an end to the need of the blood of bulls and goats to atone for our sins. Some of you might have been here a couple weeks ago when I preached on, I can't remember, 9 or 10, I forget, but um, the, the analogy of the water purifier. Before Jesus, we needed an intermediary, a water purifier, to drink clean water. But Jesus, in his death, has purified that source completely. We don't need the water purifier anymore. We don't need it anymore. And if we use it, it shows that we're not really trusting in the one who's purified the water for us. Okay? So the sacrificial system is done. We are clean and we are pure when we accept the blood of Jesus for us. So that's the first way. The sacrificial system is not needed anymore. Second, the truth of Jesus sets our eyes not on the temporal, but the eternal. When Jesus died and then he rose again, he defeated death forever. He brought in salvation. He brought in eternal life. Verse 14 says here, For we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. So Jesus calls us from this system of religion as represented by the tent, and he calls us forward into the eternal plan for us in a a territory where, yes, we endure hardships and reproach, as it says in verse 13. We're out of our comfort zone. We're out of the normalcy of living. We're into new and wilderness territory. Yet, we find truth in the eternal Jesus who leads us forward, and we find hope in the wilderness places. We don't find despair. We find not wandering in the wilderness places, but we find direction forward towards our eternal home with Christ. Thirdly, why is his sacrifice better for us? Thirdly, we discover that instead of offering a sacrifice of blood of an animal, we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. Verse 15, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Verse 16, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. The worship of our mouths this morning is a sweet sacrifice to our God. In following him, our whole lives are now filled with his spirit, filled with his glory, and the things that come out of our lips are a living and sweet aroma of sacrifice to the Lord. 
we sacrifice our old selves, our sinful nature, our identity that's tied up in a sinful nature. We sacrifice that so we can be alive in Christ, so that the life of Christ can come in us and we can actually be, we can live. And so as we proclaim truth with our lips, as we worship with our lives and our bodies, this is a sacrifice given unto the Lord. Ephesians 5, 1 to 2 says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself up for us, an offering and a sweet sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. In living for Jesus and in loving as Jesus loved us, we are offering our whole selves as a sacrifice to God. And in order to live like Jesus, we, we have to die to those natural inclinations of our sinful hearts and be made new again and given new life through Christ in us. So this new way that Jesus has established is different. It grates against our natural proclivities. It's, it's actually quite contrary to, way the, to, to the way that the world works. So the second part of our message today is going to be spent talking about the admonition of the author here to both consider your leaders and to submit to your leaders. Why? Again, this whole middle section, because the way of Jesus is new. For these, for these people reading this for the first time. Christianity was brand new. Brand new. For some of us in this room today, the way of Christ, Christianity, is brand new. So we have to remember that and treat it like that. Okay, so we need encouragement in this way. That's really the simple answer. We need encouragement, and we need help, and we need reminders, and we need direction. So first, firstly, we consider what it means to live a godly life so that we can choose our leaders well. And then we submit and we obey to our leaders. The opening verse of this section, verse 7, look at it with me. It says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. All right. So, consider your leaders. This, this verse is most likely speaking about leaders that have gone before us. Leaders that have marked the way, who have, who have tread this narrow path before us. Even meaning, some, some scholars think that even um, consider those who are not alive anymore, who have gone in front of us, who have, who have passed away and are in the arms of our Savior. And so, as you seek good and godly leadership, leadership Consider the champions of the faith who have helped blaze this narrow, tra- uh, this narrow trail. And remember, again, this path isn't easy. So, so these earthly leaders aren't going to be perfect. They will mess up. They will have ups and downs. But that's why the author of Hebrews says, those leaders who both spoke to you, consider what they spoke to you, but also consider how they lived. Okay, Christian leaders that are first 
and foremost inspired by the scriptures that teaches how to live for Jesus and to be able to look through the ups and downs and see a trajectory of a life that is sold out for Jesus, sold out for doing what God says even in the face of peril, even in the face of confusion, even in the face of trouble. Look to these leaders, consider their lives, imitate their lives, see how they finished well. I'll just say one really good way to do this, and this is actually, the reason I'm saying this is because in my times of doubt, in my times of suffering, Daniel, uh, Pastor Daniel reminds me frequently, a great way to help us move forward in our faith is to read really good biographies and autobiographies of, of Christians who, who ran the race uh, with us, in, in front of us. It's a really great way to do that. If you're suffering in your faith or you're struggling, pick up a great book about one of the um, great leaders of the faith to encourage us and to move us forward. So whether it's, it's a, a great biography or whether it's we consider the various saints of the church or church fathers or godly men and women in our lives that we have seen that have been in our circles or our families, consider these people who have both spoke the truth and lived it. Okay, so once you and I have carefully considered good and godly leadership by both what they say and what they do, the author of Hebrews says here, submit to them. Obey them. Verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Submission here is not punitive. Do you hear that? Submission is not punitive, nor is it a blind or mindless action. It is as the author of Hebrews says, for our good and for our joy. Because being a good leader isn't just giving you truth, isn't just throwing information at you, but good leaders are keeping watch over your souls. So therefore, in, in obedience and submission, there's also relationship. Now, finding the value for all of us, and I mean all of us, Finding the value in submission is something that we have trouble with in today's society. Would you agree? We are so inundated with information through technology, etc., that we are, we're very conditioned to make our own way in the world. It's very deeply ingrained in us, especially in the West. No knock on the West, but that's just, that's a current that moves through many of us. Okay. We are so conditioned to make our own way that submission is hard for us. That's why we need to be told and to also be hearers of the, wor- of, of, of the word to submit. Not only does the way of Jesus grate against our natural inclinations, but so does submission. It kind of grates against who we are in our, in our, in our deepest sin natures. And so if I may be so bold here today too... The implications of being um, of struggling with submission is this, if I may be so bold. If we can't be submissive to our local body of elders in a church like this, 
I think our chances of being submissive to what God says are pretty low. If we can't submit to those men and women in front of us in our lives who we can see and touch with our eyes and hands, it will be that much harder for us to submit to God. And also think about, a bit of a transition here, think about how Jesus was submissive. Right? Jesus, Jesus went into peril. He went into shame. He came out of comfort and out of place. And he went to death. He was submissive to the plan of his father. So we get to take part in this. If we are to be Christocentric in all things, if we are to be Christians, if you are a Christian, that means you are a Christ follower. So we get to emulate that nature of Christ, which is to be submissive, just as he is, to take that posture. And if we follow our elders, we are being submissive to them. We are taking a posture as our Savior did. And as we follow them, very imperfect people, we are imperfect people, we are flawed people, and when we fail, not if, when we fail, ultimately our submission falls to who? Christ. We are ultimately submissive, uh, being submissive to him. And why can we submit to Jesus? Because he is perfect. Verse 8 says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now this idea, we can take it out of the church and we can use it for um, how to submit to a, a spouse or to submit to a parent or a teacher or to submit to a family. Okay, And when we submit, as the author says here, to a group of elders, we are also submitting to a collective body. We're submitting ourselves to this body, this family here we call Terranova Church. Ephesians 2, 19 to 22 says this, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together, together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So it's scriptures like this one, and the scripture today, and many other scriptures that makes it very clear to me that this walk of Jesus is not to be done in isolation. It's when we isolate out in the wilderness trying to follow after Jesus is where we go awry. We find in submitting to a body of imperfect people and to leaders that are imperfect, we find grace. We find mercy. We find humility. And let me remind you as well, our, as the scriptures are saying, our elders are not here to tell you what to do. We're not just here to tell you, do this, do that, do this, the other thing. We are here to watch over your souls, to have a relationship, to walk with you, to help disciple with you, to help guide you along this path to Jesus in relationship. 
And this is why being a part of a local church is, as you are here today. That's why this is so important. This is why we shouldn't just be on our own streaming podcasts, like even good podcasts. Or just always just saying, well, I can just stream at home by myself. Being face-to-face and in a community like this is absolutely essential. Right when podcasts were starting to get... I'm, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when podcasts were just kind of starting to be cool um, and people were listening. And, and one guy, you probably most of you know this name, Matt Chandler, was al- is always somebody that I've, I've been able to receive well from um, as, as a pastor. But I, th- I always appreciate what he says, and some of you might know this, if you stream one of his, one of his sermons, he always says... Please do not let this message replace your activity in a local church and your submission to a local group of elders. Please let this be supplemental. Because pastors watch over your souls. They know you personally. They're not just there to give you information. And there's a protection of sorts. For those of you who who are thinking um, or kind of weary of following imperfect people, or those that have, some of you, have been hurt by church leadership. Okay, there's a protection here that I want you to understand. Is that elders at a local church are biblically held to a different standard. Now hear me, that's not that we're better than or more important than. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that there's a different level of responsibility that's ordained and handed to us by Lord Almighty. Terrifying to think, but by his grace, we continue. And our text says that leaders that you submit to, listen, they have to give an account. They must give an account. All of us must give an account, right, at the end. But leaders are held to a different type of responsibility. James 3.1 says, Not many of you should become teachers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with stricter, with greater strictness. Okay? So take heart, okay? And trust God that he has called your elders into this place of responsibility. That we are trying to trust the Lord as best we can, to be obedient to our call, and you all submitting to us are also fulfilling a good and godly biblical calling, and that's to submit to leaders over your souls. And hear this, as as one of your pastors, I can speak, I believe, for Daniel and Reuben as well as I say this, as we lead and we ask you to submit, we are all ultimately collectively submitting to the Word of God. We are all collectively submitting to the truth of Jesus Christ. So I can say publicly with humility and confidence that your pastors are lovers of the Word of God. We are students of the Word of God. We are dedicated to the Word of God. And so, in this family, if we are ever to uh, discipline, if we are ever to draw lines, if we are ever to 
lead and guide and direct. We want it not to be from our own ideas, but from the Word of God and our understanding of what the Word of God says. Because we want to follow Jesus. Because as verse 8 says, He is the same, what? Yesterday, today, and forever. Because ultimately, what's at stake? What's at stake? Truth. The narrow path of Jesus Christ and his eternal kingdom and rule in this world and to come. This is what is at stake. It's different than what our world preaches and teaches. And truth is at stake. We must, we must, we must cling to the Holy Scriptures. Or we will be lost. And we must do that within a family that has godly leaders who are trying to follow this book. Not just a book, but the inspired word of our holy, eternal God. The truth is at stake. It's called the narrow path for a reason. Any Pilgrim's Progress fans out there? Come on. More. There's got to be more of you. Okay. Okay, you, I'm not going to go into that analogy, but you, you understand what I mean when I say that. If you don't know that book, check it out. It's so easy to be deceived. It's, it's pretty easy to look around at our world today to see that truth is being watered down. It's easy to see that this culture has dumbed down what truth actually is to fit each individual narrative. But this is not the way of Jesus. The truth of Jesus transcends all time and culture, and we must cling to him and what the scriptures teach. Verse 9 says to the hearers of this letter that they were straying. They were were going off the path into some some silly ideas and some wrong teachings. Verse 9 says, Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. So, not sure of the specifics here, but maybe this group of people was thinking that if they ate a certain way or prepared food a certain way, that they would be more religious or they would be more better or anything. But even good things like food can be twisted into sin. But we don't struggle with that today, do we? No, not at all, right? Of course we do. Like the early Christians in this letter, Sin is more universal than it is unique. Okay, we struggle from the same stuff. Maybe it's got some different uh, connotations on it, but we struggle from the same stuff. We can be obsessed to an unhealthy level over nutrition and health and supplements and self-care and political affiliation and popularity and outward appearance and all of those things. You name it. It's very easy in this world to take good and godly things that find, uh, that find ultimately their root in God, it's, it's easy to take those things like food and wellness and love and marriage and identity and stray away from the truth. The truth is at stake here, friends. This world, without the protection of our souls and without clinging to the word of God, the world will tell us that regardless of what scripture says, whatever is truth for you, well, that must be the truth. My truth, your truth. No, friends. 
God's truth. Our modern obsession for progress says that the highest good and the highest virtue is to find what makes you happy. And our highest virtue is to affirm what makes people happy at all costs. But that's not what God says. According to our culture, love is whatever we decide it is. But we know, we know that love originates in God. Love, God is love and it comes from him. We'll be told in this culture that marriage is whatever we define it as, whatever makes us feel fulfilled. But friends, we know that marriage is a divine union created by God between one man and one woman to showcase the gospel. You will be told in this world that identity is whatever you decide it is. But that's not what Jesus says. Identity originates in who God is, in who he has wonderfully created us to be. And when we submit to Jesus, he becomes our identity. And that's beautiful. This is what is at stake. Be submitted to a local church that preaches the truth. To a local group of elders who love you enough to teach you the word of God, even when it's hard, even when it grates against our culture, even when it's not convenient. Reach our community and our state and our world with the truth of Jesus. We don't want to build walls. But we know that the message of Christ is folly to those that are perishing. 1 Corinthians 18. But we also know that as we, as we proclaim truth, we know that the, that the Holy Spirit is powerful. He is powerful to change people. Powerful to change their desires. Powerful to change their priorities and their direction in life. Many of us have a story where we were going one way, and in repentance we went the other way towards Jesus. And if that is you today, share your story of where truth intersected your life and changed you forever. And we know that we are to live for Jesus, to be living sacrifices, as it says in Romans 12. Sacrifices that are not burned to ash, but sacrifices that are actually being made new each day, more and more into the likeness and life of Jesus Christ. As we look together, as we look together forward in this world, forward to eternity with Christ. So let us go out after Jesus. Let us go and walk the narrow trail, knowing that we have truth. And be careful, be careful, be careful to walk what Jesus says, not what the world says. And we will continue, by God's grace, to love you, to teach you, to set good godly examples, to walk with you in relationship as we do this together. Pray for us, please, as we all fulfill our calling.
from the Lord. I'm going to pray for us as the band comes back up. And we'll continue uh, in a time of communion. And let us, as we take communion, these are pieces of, of, of bread that are broken up and wine and juice poured out. The sacrifice of Jesus' body was not burned to ash, but it was given up and it was, it was offered to all. This is a gift. So for those of you who have accepted Christ and have him in your life and he's, he's the king over your soul, this is for you to remember that he continues, continues, continues to give. So let us receive and be changed and made new each and every day. Amen? All right, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we don't pretend that this life is easy, and, and at times we, we get frustrated and actually uh, um, we get frustrated when we have to do the right thing, when we have to follow Scripture, when we have to do what God says. I pray that you would change our hearts from a heart that, that, um, that can get frustrated with those things to a heart that that desires those things and wholly submits to you. Jesus, we need your help. We need your spirit. I pray for those that are in, a, in particular seasons of suffering and, and wandering, that, that you would just be so near to them. I pray for our church, that we would be holders of the truth, not, not to lord that over others or not to one-up us against others, but that we would humbly preach truth from your scriptures and we would obey you in that. And I pray for churches all over our state and all over our, our nation and all over our world that we would not, we would not fall prey to the schemes of the devil, that we would not fall prey to, to the twisting of truth in the face of cultural progression or, or um, the twists of the devil that, that want, want us to be culturally relevant. We pray against those things. And we recommit ourselves each and every day and all days to preaching the word of Jesus Christ. Help us to do that humbly. Help us to do that with confidence, with the help of your spirit. In your name we pray. Amen.